Welcome to the Social Sex Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Bex Caputo. Right now, I work as a curator for Make Love Not Porn, and I've been a sex educator for most of my adult life, which means I've had countless fascinating and insightful conversations with sexuality professionals from around the globe. These days, some of the conversations I enjoy most are the ones I have with people who aren't necessarily practiced at talking about sex every day. I adore the opportunity to hear about their beliefs and their questions, to problem solve alongside them and brainstorm new avenues of pleasure for them to explore. I've partnered with Make Love Not Porn, the world's first social sex video sharing platform, to create this podcast, a space to have and share more of these important conversations, to learn what great real-world sex can look like and how we can all have more of it. So we'll just jump right in. I guess I'm going to give you a chance to kind of introduce yourselves, who you are. We obviously met through Make Love Not Porn, so your handle over there and all of that. Do you want to share you go first. Okay. <laughs> so um, together we're Honey and Bear. I'm Bear. This lovely human is Honey. Honey. <laughs> um, my name is Nathan. And, and I'm Kali. Yeah, and we're yeah. from South Africa, living just outside of Cape Town. And we've been madly in love for quite a few years now. <laughs> Amazing. Could you tell me a little bit about just how you discovered Make Love Not Porn and what got you excited about sharing your videos? Because you've been here longer than I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I am uh, guilty as charged on that account. I, you know, it's, I'll try to keep it short. I struggle to keep stories short, but you can nudge It's okay, I share that, that problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Already the story is too long. Uh, <laughs> so I basically, as a young person, I had a very negative experience from pornography. I was given such a, and not just pornography, but mainstream how the society as a whole communicates about sex and sexuality. The story I was told was one that ended up being quite harmful for me around what it means to be a man, what it means to be a sexual man, what it means to relate to women, all those kind of things. And so I, I had a lot of insecurities. I was a player. I was using my relationships with women as a way to kind of bolster my own insecurities, like to make myself feel better, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Went through all of that, realized this is not the kind of life I want to live at some point and made a concerted effort through, you know, celibacy and self-education to shift that. And at some point along that journey, probably, I guess it must have been my late 20s. I'm not sure how long ago it was, time is a blur, but I came across Cindy's video on at the TED Talk. And it was just everything she was saying. I was like, this is so what I have experienced and so what I've heard, especially when I became a more sensitive lover and more sensitive communicator, just the stories I'd hear from women, especially around like the way men were just not on it sexually, like a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that video really inspired me. And so I joined Make Love Not Porn as a viewer, as someone who no longer watched porn, but wanted, loves erotica, loves sex, loves to enjoy how are people doing and how it's the interaction. And obviously make love no point, just like, just landed in right there. And then pretty soon started uploading my self-love videos just by myself. I wasn't with anyone at the time, and but I wanted to support the movement. I wanted to show sexuality as a man being <laughs> delicate and sensitive. And then, yeah, I met Kylie and told her about it because I wasn't really hiding it from any, I, you know, would say, hey, I don't know if this is, you know, how you feel about this kind of stuff, but I upload videos of myself, pleasuring myself <laughs> to this cool site. And, and I was like, you what? Yeah. <laughs> what was the URL for that now? Uh -huh. No, yeah. go on. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How was it for you hearing about that? And then, you know. Initially, I was just shocked and super intrigued and thought, oh, that's so cool. He's so brave. You know, what if someone sees me? I don't think I'll ever do that, but that's cool that he does that. And then 
I don't know. It was very short after I thought that. I was like, actually, let's make a video. And initially, the reason that I wanted to make a video was just to get out of my comfort zone. And then it was amazing. And then also I became, you know, subscribed to MLNP and, and it was amazing just watching different videos and it was super inspiring. And it's really shifted my perception on just not my perception, but just like the way I think about my sexuality and the way I think about others and watching others make love. There's like a lot of shame around that for me. There was, I mean, there still is, but it's really kind of helped me to work through that. And so I also just want to be part of the social sex revolution <laughs> and be part of the movement. It's incredible. I have to say, it's so funny to watch because at first Kylie was very sort of secretive about it, which is understandable. I mean, it's an intense thing, but now. Yeah. <laughs> I tell everyone, I'm just like, show them our intros. I'm like, it's so cool. <laughs> My friends come up to me, they're like, oh, we watched this video or this intro. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Where initially I didn't want to tell anyone about it. I was like, it's just our thing. Mm. And now I'm like, oh, it's so exciting. Who can I tell? <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting because it's definitely something I've observed just as someone who's seen most of your videos, if not all of them, is that like you can see you get more comfortable in front of the camera mm. and like like learn that this is a thing that you're doing more of right <laughs> and I, and I love seeing that and you're obviously not the only people I've seen you know get more comfortable as they do it but it's really fun because it's almost like you see corners of your sexuality kind of revealed for the public as you get more comfortable with these like mm. more intimacy and being more I don't know animated in a way that is probably how you would act if a camera wasn't pointed at you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's really fun. I'm curious if you can talk about kind of what it was like, did you notice yourself becoming more comfortable and like wanting to try more things on camera? Or like, I've also noticed, I think your gear has kind of upgraded over time. Have you like enjoyed like pouring more energy into that side of things? Like how has it changed in the time you've been doing this? Uh, for me, it's I've definitely become more comfortable and I've noticed it and I've mm -hmm. become less worried about certain poses or how I'm looking at a certain angle. And I've also, I'm keen to try all these new different things. And we mm -hmm. haven't really made too many videos recently, but we've got a lot of really cool ideas and things that I would never thought that I would do in front of a camera, <laughs> let alone even actually do myself, like even think of certain, I don't know, just like exploring different avenues within our sexuality. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I want to explore those and I want to film them. <laughs> <Pretty cool. laughs> Has that come, do you think, from like looking for more things to film or from watching other people and getting ideas or like kind of a little of both? Because I know in my experience, as a person who also enjoys filming myself, I'll like see other people's videos and things and be like, well, what do I look like from that angle? Like that makes their ass look great. Hang on. And it kind of gives me ideas where I'm like, I never would have thought about that, but maybe. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely watching people and their interactions and what they're doing and their angles and the way they filmed. Definitely. Yeah. That's, it's been a, that's been definitely a bit of an influence. Mm. Yeah. I think some, we've even watched a few videos where it was really like, we're just interested in seeing what it sounds like an interesting video to watch. And some videos we watch, we, they aren't very totally arousing for us, but we're more like, oh, that's so curious. So like how, and so, yeah, for me, in terms of the gear stuff, I love gear. So for me, mm -hmm. I've been the guy doing all the, you know, I like generally set up the cameras and the audio and make sure I'm trying to, to me, I think if anyone listening wants to improve your video quality overall, focus on sound 
as well. Mm. Like the sound to me, to get a good sound, to the sound of lovemaking is just so sexy. Like it's just, it's mm-hmm. just such a critical part of the whole. So usually I'm trying to set up some kind of an external microphone that's going to at least capture the sound the best that I can in that. I mean, we've just, we shot a most beautiful video recently, which Kylie immediately said was kind of one of her absolute favorites, mm. which we're still in the process of editing, but it was out at a waterfall. And so the sound of the waterfall oh, is super gorgeous. loud. The waterfall doesn't really feature in the video actually at all, but the sound of it's there. And it's, I mean, we were in the middle of, in the mountain, it was just insanely beautiful. And actually I commented to Kylie on that one of how I noticed she was so much more like what you were saying. Like I noticed her going like, oh, what about if we do this angle and we sit here? And then and I was like, damn, this is so much fun. For the first time I actually thought of that. Yeah, it was really, it was really <laughs> awesome. And so for me, as far as your question goes, like for sure, watching videos is inspiring. And also for me, it's part of that, like seeing one of the things that comes up is around people with more than two people. So maybe a three. Mm-hmm. And just seeing how the couple... So far, I haven't really seen anywhere. It's like a full poly kind of group, but more where there's a couple and they're bringing a friend in. There's someone who they both enjoy and they're bored in. And just watching how there's no decrease in love. It's not like there's, nothing's being taken away. And in some ways, that's mm-hmm. been one of my fears around something like that. It's like, oh, what'll happen if, you know, who's, is it going to make it weird? Or like, what about attention or jealousy or those kind of things? But just watching these beautiful, normal people just have the most fun ever It's like, oh, God, I definitely want to do that at some point. That looks amazing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And what I love about that, too, is it gives you opportunities to... We have a couple who submits quite a few threesome videos. And there are definitely moments in those videos where, like, one of the people in the threesome is not being paid attention to, is watching and jerking off, or is just, like, supportively petting someone's hair. (laughs) And, like, it gives you this moment to see, like oh, but they're not crying in the corner because like they're not being touched in this exact moment. And like, it just role models that, oh, that's okay. These are other ways to engage. You can just like supportively whisper in your wife's ear while she's getting fucked. And that's great. Like, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's things that like you may not have even thought of until you saw people doing it. And you're like, wow, damn, that does look fun. Hang on. (laughs) Adding that to the list. Exactly. Oh, I often joke that like the fastest way to give me a kink is to talk to someone who really loves it about why they love it. Cause then I'm just like, Oh, I guess I am. And wow. Didn't know. But okay. <laughs> I have to, so that I actually have to Lily LeBeau, who's obviously an mm. MLMP star as well as a professional mm-hmm. porn star. She and I have become friends through make love, not porn. I found her on Twitter. We got chatting over the years and, and we're now just friends. And I had her on my podcast and we were chatting about like mainly about spirituality. It was incredible. It was such a great episode. And at one point I asked her something about, I can't remember what the question was, but she said how much she loves BDSM. And I was like, okay, you have to tell me more because I do not understand it. Like it just seems painful to me. And she explained about how the there's the dominance element, but there's also the worship element and there's all these different ways to enter. And like through just hearing her passion and her love for it, I was like, okay, I am actually now interested in BDSM and I definitely wasn't before. So yeah, yeah I get that. Yeah, just seeing someone light up and talk about, you know, what is fun about it. You're like, wow, never would have thought about that. But okay, sure. Yeah, now, now I am thinking about it. 
you did mention that you've been trying things on camera that or, you know, in general that you never even thought you would be into before. And I think one of the things you mentioned when we spoke before this in the little survey thing was talking about enjoying backdoor play in a way you never thought you would before. And I'm curious if you could like talk about discovering that and like what it was like to, I don't know, learn like that you love this thing that you didn't think you ever would. Yeah, I mean, you think you more than me, like well, learning, are... so maybe you can take that. Yeah, well, we both play with it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing for me. I had actually quite like a negative experience with someone playing with my ass while I was like drunk in a campsite in France mm. in 2004. Oh, it was really super intense. And I was, yeah. I, I kind of never really, I mean, saying that when I self-pleasured, I was very lucky. My dad lent me a beautiful book on like spiritual sexuality when I was quite young, when mm. I was a te- like 14 years old or something. Oh, that in sounds the, amazing. They, totally. And they talked about how men can be pleasured internally, the prostate, the whole thing. So from a young age, I was kind of exploring that and feeling it out. I never really, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it when I did it. I even bought myself an Aniros at some point in my 20s, mm-hmm. the, which mm-hmm. I've used now and then. But what I've found a lot of joy in is playing with Kylie in that way and how much mm. she enjoys it. It's basically like... I love it. I yeah. really love it. And I had already explored it a little bit before I met Nathan, but mm-hmm. I'd never really explored it much. And I always wanted to. So it was really great that I felt safe enough for us to really get into it. And I absolutely love it. And I love how much he loves. I love it. <laughs> so great. I don't think we filmed it. We haven't definitely no. filmed any anal. I just know at this point that if I'm going to get my, like, start touching Carly's, it's just like, that's, it's basically orgasm time. Like, there's just, it's so <laughs> intense and wonderful, but it's something we, we actually don't do it that often, but it's always like, we always just have so much fun when we do. And just like, even if it's not penetration, like anal mm. sex, it's just, but play is just so amazing. Mm. We even have mm-hmm. a butt plug now, which is really a fun. Really pretty butt plug. And Ooh. one thing that we're super interested in, we actually, we were meant to do it the, the other day, but I think we ate a really big meal or something. <laughs> so we kind of crashed. But no, that's been, fair, yeah. We had been preparing all day for pegging, yeah. which is mm. something we talk about all the time. We got the gear. We're like, we went sex toy shopping. It was super fun. Yeah. Got all these different things, a swing, which was also fun. That was really fun. And then we're like, and we've been kind of, psyching ourselves up to do it and super keen and talking about it often. And then, yeah, and then we, I think we got overexcited and went a bit crazy in the day and then crashed and then it didn't happen. But, 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 (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. I'm very excited. And actually there was, I believe it was, no, it wasn't an MLMP video, but I've seen a video somewhere, a brief clip. Of, some, mm. of a woman pegging her partner. Maybe it was MLNP. I did watch video. one on MLNP. Yeah. That got me We definitely so had hot. them. Yes. It just mm-hmm. looked so incredibly hot. It was like yeah. that. Because I think she was on top of like kind of missionary. but And he had his kind of mm. his legs up. And she was like playing with him at the same time while she mm-hmm. was penetrating him. And I was like, that just looks like the most <laughs> insanely amazing experience. But anyway, I'm very, very excited. We just haven't got to it yet. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I can totally understand how, like, when you're so excited about a thing, it could wind up with a lot of also pressure on it, right? And the thing with, like, particularly pegging or any backdoor play is, like, 
in general, it's a slow process. It's like a gradual, you know, yeah. learning curve kind of thing. <laughs> and what I love is that we have a couple of videos of people's first time pegging. Rich Edge jumps to mind off the top of my head, has a video both of his first time being pegged and they're polyamorous. So he has a video of his other partner pegging him for the first time. So he had received before, but she had never topped before. Wow. So it's also him talking through like, here is how to fuck me, what that looks like. Like, mm, that's and, and it's really beautiful yeah. to see that kind of communication because that's mm. not what pegging looks like in porn generally. It's just I, like bend over and take it. And that's mm. not how butts work in my yeah, experience. Yeah. At least. yeah. But that's, oh man. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> No, I, well, I was just going to say, and that's like a common misconception I've gotten. I worked sex toy retail for a while, and I remember a customer, 90% of sex toy retail is saying, yes, of course you can do that. Let me help you figure out how. <laughs> and 10% is going, mm, maybe don't. <laughs> and this was someone who came in. And, you know, we were shopping for a strap on setup. And I'm like, okay, so and he's grabbing like a fairly standard size dick, like, you know, six inch average dildo kind of thing. And I'm like, great. So is this the kind of toy you usually use in your ass? And he was like, well, no. And I was like, okay, well, how big of uh no. And I was like, okay, how many fingers? He was like, I've never put anything in my butt before, but I'm getting pegged tonight and it's my only opportunity to ever <gasps> do it. And I was like, maybe <laughs> oh, you have several steps between now and then. <laughs> but I think it's this porn image that we get, right? Especially, and so much pegging porn is linked into these ideas of power and domination and like that can be fun, but it is not the only way mm. to strap on and fuck someone. Mm. So I love that we have these videos and you were able to see these videos that were like very connective mm. and like really resonated for you and gave you lots of fun ideas. Mm. Totally. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Now we went very, very modest in our pegging setup, which yeah. I feel very wonderful about. I feel like we're really gentle. <laughs> people's see, like people's ideas are just, their eyes are bigger than their holes <laughs> too often. And like, I don't take returns is the thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Round down, you can always come back is generally yeah. my, Good like, with girth. Length, I actually tend to recommend go a little longer than you think you'll want because you never have to use the whole thing. And specifically with like strap-ons, bodies get in the way, depending on the size of the different bodies and positioning, et cetera. Mm. So length, I do say air longer, but not mm. so much girth. Mm. Makes sense. <laughs> Tips <Yeah>. with pecs. <laughs> I've, I've had too many people come back with dildos and be like, I brought this home and they said no. <laughs> oh, no. They, they took one look at it and was like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> So one of the things that I thought was really interesting, I asked folks for what some of the best sex advice they've gotten was. And one of the things you mentioned, I believe it was in that question or one of the others, was that you find it really helpful to focus on your own pleasure and that your partner will feel that through the sex you're having. And that made a lot of sense to me, but I think it sounds counterintuitive to some people. So I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more about that. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because it's such a nice question. <laughs> Do you want to jump in or well, we were at a... We did it before. It were, we were naturally into that. We were, yeah. yeah, but it was... Mm -hmm. so but it's like in terms of the story. advice that we got or yeah, not yeah, yeah. Or that was shared with a group of people, yeah. was it like a cock-loving 
workshop or something like worship cock <laughs> worshiping yeah at a, at, a, at a like hippie festival we attended yeah. over last new year's <laughs> mm, <laughs> and, there this, and there were all these different workshops and the one was on a cock worship or something we we're like we're gonna go that yeah. great <laughs> it was so interesting was so the woman was so amazing and she was just that was just the whole thing of worshiping a cock and not so much about trying to please the other person and worrying about like, is this too hard or fast or whatever it may be. And she's like, just focusing on how I'm feeling in the moment and really, but really, really getting into it. I mean, she was so animated. Yeah, <laughs> she needs to be here now. Orgasms as she yeah, was she was, was, was like, envisioning oh, this cock like all over her. <laughs> it was amazing. And yeah, that really stuck with me. I don't know if I wrote it or you wrote it on the, the survey. I can't remember. I can't remember. But yeah, that it was, it kind of, I realized through that workshop that we already do do that. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. it was a it wonderful reminder words. to really yeah. kind of, and be like, okay, yeah, this is where it's at. Yeah. There's, cause I have a tendency from my old, I think, and I, I feel many men experience this, perhaps many women do as well, but I know for sure many men do. I know for sure that I did in my past is this goal-oriented, performance-oriented sexual mm-hmm. interactions. And so it's like often I can still drop into it where I'm like I'm there and I'm going down on Kylie or pleasuring her and I'm thinking like making sure, I've got to make sure she has the best time ever. Like I've just got to make sure she has an epic orgasm or has an epic experience. And it's, I think it's good to develop skill and sensitivity towards, obviously to be able to, it's like what is a, Cindy said something like, Someone who invented the term finger banging doesn't have a vulva or something like that. (laughs) I just thought that was, but then at the same time, we've had some pretty epic finger banging, but it's been when that is the moment for finger banging, it feels good. Anyway, Mm -hmm. but my realization has been that, like you say, although it sounds backwards to almost like selfishly focus on my pleasure, because when I do that, when I'm feeling slowing down, feeling the sensitivity of Kylie's response, feeling her response to me and how that turns me on, feeling, oh, how does that softness feel? How does that wetness feel? How does it feel when I go faster? How does it feel when I go for me? Like, what is the, how am I rolling through this? That somehow mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. It's just like we're there together then instead of it and being. And I feel it. Yeah. It's not like I a one way I feel you street. loving it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, oh, this is super arousing. Totally. And actually recently you've been saying that to me when I'm just like, just devouring you. Just oh. so, I kind of. <laughs> I'm completely not thinking about you in a way. I'm so enjoying it. And that's, you often comment, you're like, oh my gosh, like, like I could feel it. You could yeah. re- and I was like, oh yeah, it's just so good. No, it's the best. It's so, so, so juicy. Because I can also get in my head about pleasing mm. and then I'm not having as much fun. Mm. And there's like, there's something in the way. There's this, mm. I'm in my head too much and mm-hmm. trying to think about what is the next best thing or what should I be doing instead of just embodying it and feeling it. And mm. Yeah, and we're not actually there at least I'm not there. It seems like we're not there to win something. There's not like a prize mm-hmm. for having the best sex or giving the best head or like the technically, well, that was technically a very impressive yeah. performance. It's like it's that <laughs> whole fucking thing. We're there because we want to love. We want to feel love and be love and share love and just fully embody that. And that's the practice. And through that, the whole experience is elevated and not in some like wishy-washy way, but in a very visceral juicy sexy way it's fantastic yeah i hope that answers yeah, your question. <laughs> that, no absolutely it reminds me of this experiment my best friend did she's a sex journalist and was writing a piece on this concept she heard i forget who from it may be from the same educator but she was talking about giving a blowjob fully based on what felt good in her mouth 
to do to the deck. Sounds exactly like her. (laughs) Yeah. And she played with that experiment. And like in her experience, she's like, all right, well, it wasn't necessarily going to get my partner to come in this particular way, but we had a great time and we both felt really, really good doing it. And I think I also have been on the experience, particularly someone socialized as a woman, I've had the experience of people having sex with me where it clearly felt like they were like, my value lies in my ability to be good at this and your reactions to it. And like, you can kind of feel that energy where you're like, wow, I guess I should be reacting like you are doing the best job in the world. And this is now the pressure is on me to perform pleasure for you and make you feel good about what you're doing, where really I'm more interested in us both just having a good time. Mm. And like, if I can feel the person I'm playing with deeply enjoying what they're doing, I feel a little bit less pressure to like, support them and can focus on what feels good for me as well, because I know that that's what they're doing. Mm-mm-mm. Exactly. Yeah. It's like give and take that I've honestly, like sometimes the thing that gets me the most like in immediately is just thinking of a specific, when I wake up sometimes in the morning or if we're snuggling, if we're in bed and I snuggle up behind Kylie, so like spooning. And if I'm starting to feel like that movement, that energy, as soon as she, I feel her kind of like like push her butt into me like this feeling of my whole body's like i'm so in for this this that reciprocating kind of acknowledgement that doesn't have to be the consent is in the feeling and it's like i think consent is such a critical piece consent isn't just not saying no it's it's the yes it's a fucking like the whole oh my god yes and through sensitivity and compassion and empathy, we can learn those yeses don't have to constantly be, is it okay if I touch you now? Is it okay if I kiss you now? I think that's kind of where we started. Yeah. And I think a relation, mm-hmm. I think interactions should start that way when people don't know one another well enough. But it's so beautiful to be in a space now where just the slightest little breath or the slightest moan or the move of a body can just be like the whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because you've spent so much time together that those breaths and moans and movements all have context Mm. and you've come to a combined understanding of what they mean right the first or the second or the third time it happens maybe you go oh hey like this is i'm thinking this is this way right we're doing this right Mm -hmm. Right, cool and you verbalize it and over time it becomes a part of how you interact together. And that's what's so beautiful. And that's what I love about being able to share so many videos of people who have been together for so long, Mm. because you can see the different ways that these manifest. And I think part of the way you're able to have that kind of subtle nonverbal communication is that you have also created an environment where you both know someone could go, actually, hang on, hang on. We're going to talk about this for a second. Yeah, yeah. And it wouldn't be weird and it wouldn't ruin everything. No, Absolutely. Totally. Yeah, that would be uh, critical. Like that's a 100% yeah. ground rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think what makes, at least in my own experience, helps me be more comfortable with that kind of nonverbal communication, especially for myself. I'm often the top in my own dynamics is like the first couple of times my partners say no, I'm like, oh, great, cool. We're good. They can say that. Like, I know they know how to say that. So I know moving forward that like, if they haven't, we're okay. Like, we're good. Yeah, that's reassuring. We actually had a very interesting interaction quite early on, early-ish, when Kylie was kissing my neck and I kind of just wasn't into it in that moment. And mm-hmm. because I, there's all these kind of old stories around, it's okay to express my needs like openly mm-hmm. without it being a big deal. I just kind of was like, Mm-mm. like I just kind of did that. <laughs> and in Kylie's mind, she heard that as like, 
oh, I don't like that at all. Like that's, you should never Like I'm not into again. this, right? I'm not into you. Like all the stories in mm-hmm. my head, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I'm a terrible person. Yeah. And it took us actually one of our, cause we do these sort of connection or clearing sessions, these relational sort of co-counseling, check-ins. self-counseling check-ins. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was in one of those where I had felt some kind of a, like Kylie, I wasn't feeling her as present in our lovemaking and I was terrified to bring it up because I was like, I'm not commenting on how good you are in bed. I, I'm just feeling this thing. And I like, is this a thing? Am I just tripping? Like, what's if it is something, what's up? And then and mm-hmm. and then she had the memory of like, well, there was this time where this thing happened. And I and shut I was, down, like, yeah. kind of closed up a little bit. And mm-hmm. it was such a beautiful opportunity. I was like, oh, shit, I remember that. And this is what was happening for me. It was just in that moment. And, and it just like that beautiful feeling of like openness and depth could kind of re-enter the relationship and our experience and yeah and some, those little things matter I mm, guess as well yeah. yeah and I felt very it was so wonderful for me because I was yeah at that time we'd been together for about a year mm. and I so think up until the that time that we had this little connection clearing and got through that issue I was it like shifted something deep within me where I've never been I've never felt the need to kind of close off like that again because that's has mm-hmm. often been my default in the past. It's all been about like, I don't want to take up space. I don't want to express my needs. I'm just happy with whatever. Like I'm just easygoing Carly. That's, and whether that's mm-hmm. like out with friends or in bed making love. And mm-hmm. that really shifted yeah, that kind of pattern. It helped me to break through that. And for myself, I feel like, oh, lovemaking was always amazing, but that was within me. And now it's kind of, I've like, been able to let that go. And it's just been super incredible. So it's just a little yeah. example. I, yeah, no, I, I love that. And I do think that is common, honestly, particularly because our culture doesn't create a ton of space for men to say no to sex or any sort of advancement. It's all like it's supposed to be welcome at all times because that's the story we have of men, which isn't super true and doesn't super give them a ton of agency for consent. But that's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. So I do think it is really common for women to like have that kind of response if they feel like they've been rejected, even if it is, hey, in this moment, I'm thinking about a thing and don't want that right now. And I love that you have these kind of, it sounds like regularly scheduled check-ins that just kind of create this space for you to have had that conversation Mm because it may have been a lot harder to bring up without that like Mm -hmm. time already planned yeah it's a specific Mm -hmm. exercise that has a time frame and it has Mm -hmm. speaking time frame so one person we usually do five minutes each so it'll be like an hour and then one person speaks for five minutes then it switches over the other person speaks and the only job of the other person at the time is to listen, not even go, oh, well, I didn't realize that or nothing like that. Just listen, just hear. And with the acknowledgement that we can, at the beginning, it's like my, whatever I bring, even if I think you're an asshole right now, it's my stuff. Like that's my, Mm -hmm. I claim my feelings and we each do that. And so there's this mutual respect. And it's not to say that it's always been easy. I mean, geez, we've had some really tough ones, but it's always turned out great because we're both choosing to show up and be fully responsible for our this is my feeling, even if right now I just don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> uh, but it's my right. uh, It's not like it's you're doing this to me. It's a complete, because mm-hmm. that, that attitude of like someone else has the power over me in that way, it doesn't serve any kind of real forward motion, at least we've found. And it's mm-hmm. been, it has been an amazing exercise for us. Yeah. And that sounds like just a really beautiful way to build trust. Because I know the first couple of times, 
Like, I can't imagine sitting in front of my partner and just talking for five minutes at them, like the first couple of times doing that. that I, like, I feel like that would be stressful for both of us, but to yeah. be able to just be heard and like doing it enough times and knowing whatever I say here, we'll have a conversation about it and like move forward with it and it will strengthen our relationship. And knowing that for like the little issues will make it a lot easier, I think, or would for me for the bigger issues, you know? Totally. Yeah. I've found, we found often the, the little things are connected to big things often is that the, like, oh, I'm using a silly example of this, the toothpaste thing, cause it isn't an issue for us, but I heard someone use that as an example once. It's like, you know, if your partner leaves a lid off the toothpaste and then it's mm-hmm. like, it's this annoying little thing. And then eventually you just sit down and just go, listen, the toothpaste thing, I can't handle it. You do. And then it's actually connected to the fact it feels like you don't consider me in the relationship that I don't know if you acknowledge that I'm also here. And da, da, da. there's all these other stories that can unpack around it because there's no way that just someone leaving a lid off a toothpaste is actually that annoying. Really? I leave a lid off everything yeah. and we're still together. That's right. And I love you. And I, I actually, I'm really bad it's with one this. of the things that she's like amazed. <laughs> I've never met anything like it. But it's, uh, it's become one of the things because it's you and I love you and it's like, it's I don't know it's just the thing that's one of my shadow pieces is that I try to structure the world so that I feel comfortable so everything needs to be in order for Mm -hmm. me so that I feel safe and then being with Carly and with all our dogs and our life together I've been I've just been so (laughs) enjoying the feeling of just letting go of control like life is what it is (laughs) (laughs) yes it's just happening and it's amazing I'm so blessed to be in this little nest with these wonderful people oh my gosh Sasha's barking again I'm sorry just leave her is it fine? Can you hear the barking or is it fine? I can vaguely hear it. It's fine, though. I'm not. Letting this is go also of control. Prob- <laughs> yeah, letting go of control. Exactly. This is also not going to be the best audio quality because I am in a very echoey main room instead of what will be a recording studio in a nice. <laughs> Yes, I found a very deep closet. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I like moved in and opened the door. I was like, ha, yes. <laughs> I, I need to go and get this dog. I'm sorry. Let me. Yeah, no, do it. And she ran straight out. Yeah, this is a perfect example of me just chilling and him having to control the situation. <laughs> yeah. We just I, illustrated it perfectly. I, I definitely relate deeply to that, though. <laughs> That one couldn't quite do it. <laughs> I am I am also a person who uh, <laughs> likes to control a lot of things. So I have I definitely have relationships in my life that I appreciate for the ability to just like take me out of that for a minute. <laughs> nice. One of the other things I just wanted to touch on that I thought was really interesting in um what we talked about was you mentioned that you're working on practicing multi-orgasmic practices right now, which is not a thing you hear a ton from penis havers. So I would love to hear more about your experience with that and where you're learning about that and what you've enjoyed. Cool. Thank you. That's a nice question. (laughs) I've actually known about it. Again, my dad is a wonderful man and he really introduced me to some beautiful stuff when I was young. And one of them was around multi-orgasmic practices and they're Eastern practices. So the difference between the sort of Western society and Eastern society they didn't have a hang up around sex. And so they spent the last sort of three to 5,000 years treating it as an incredible thing to research and learn about and go into. I love the one book I read. There's a, he says, a man who knows what he's doing goes into the bedroom with a full toolkit, his vel- you know, mm. black velvet pouch that he unrolls and all the beautiful paraphernalia that he can use to his, the woman's jade temple and the jade stem. And they have all these beautiful flowery names. And I mean, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And 
one of the things that they discovered in their experimentation is that on an energetic level, a man ejaculating is a massively depleting thing. It's they call it, even the French call it la petite mort, the little death, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like mm-hmm. it's, it says something. And in my own experience, I found that if I come, my energy levels are massively depleted. But it does depend on how much I have built my energy levels up. So if I've been doing breathwork, yoga, if I've held my ejaculation for even a few times making love, it gives me a, I've got this like resource that I can use. But if I kind of come and then have sex again and come again, even the next day or two days later, I'll find that I notice the difference where I'm like, damn, I feel tired. And also Mm -hmm. that feeling, I never enjoyed the feeling of making love and having such a wonderful experience. And then I come and I literally just want to pass out immediately. I just don't touch (laughs) me. Just just say very still. Mm -hmm. I just want to, all I can think about is sleep. And the woman's Mm -hmm. still loving and juicy and like, yeah, we could get into more of this. I'm just like, yeah, I'm snoring basically. (laughs) And I just- sounds great. I'll talk to me in 20 minutes. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, yeah. So it's something that I have practiced on and off. I'm definitely nowhere near a master at it. But what there is, and I mean, I'm, I don't know how many people listening will have some of the knowledge of this theory of this understanding, but but there is a difference between ejaculation and orgasm, according to these Eastern traditions. And so mm-hmm. it's a tiny, 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 tiny space where you start to experience the sensations of orgasm and then you come. And in that window, which is the window for an ant. (laughs) It's a very (laughs) small window. If you can stop there, you can still have the pulsing, the energetic experience. It's not nearly as intense as a full ejaculation, which I do actually find overwhelmingly intense at times. But it is beautiful. And through that practice, you can, you just, it's basically edging for men. Like I know women often talk about edging, but it's edging for men and just getting closer and closer and closer to that point. And what we've actually discovered is that not only does it work for me as a way to sustain energy. And then what I've found is my energy just kind of reaches Kylie's level. Like I just sexually, Mm. I kind of feel a bit more like I've noticed women seem to be generally around their sexual energy is that they, yeah, it just kind of seems a bit more stable, regenerative in a way, internally. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not, this is no science-based stuff here. <laughs> Observational only. Mm-hmm. But what we've discovered is that if Kylie edges as well and doesn't it come too much, is that for her, it's also very energizing. Yeah. I also get exhausted. Yeah. I roll over and I'm like, don't touch me. And I pass out. <laughs> After like five orgasms though. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, is amazing. True, <laughs> You're like, oh, well, so, you know. This, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is fascinating for me though, particularly, so I'm on testosterone, I'm a trans guy, and it changed my orgasms from what you're describing as like, traditionally feeling more feminine, right? They felt more full body. I would have multiples. I would have orgasms that were very clearly like, oh, this is a warm up orgasm. I'm not done. I need more for this. Like this isn't going to go anywhere. And I was also a person who squirted. So I was very clearly able to see like the difference between orgasm and ejaculation. And then after being on testosterone for X amount of time, and like my body has changed over those years, my orgasms have shifted and it has become more of a one and done And more of a, like, I get off once and I'm like, wow, the whole world is overwhelming. I'm just going to close my eyes and lay very still. (laughs) And yeah, I think that it was so fascinating the way you described that. And I'm also in a place where I'm like, 
so my body like i know for a fact it could do this like now it's a matter of trying to like get back and relearn that and relearn Mm -hmm. how to have orgasms which is a weird thing at 29 instead of 17 but that's fine (laughs) totally yeah it's awesome i find those Mm -hmm. practices and then it's all connected to breath and to relaxation. And I mean, I have a friend who I really admire and he's reached a point where he can actually, because I find like my penis is so sensitive that like if it's touched, I kind of can feel that my prostate, I guess, or that area will like, will kind of, it's involuntarily tense up, be like, oh, that feels really good. And I have a friend who can fully, he can stay so relaxed throughout, no matter how sexually aroused he is, that he can just go straight into those full body orgasms rather than the ejaculation, because he's calmed down that reflex, the reflex, which is to squeeze and to ejaculate. It's amazing stuff. Anyway, I'd love to reach him. I would have gone on the journey. Yeah, we're on the journey. (laughs) That's really, really fascinating. It reminds me of, I think Barbara Corellis has talked about breath orgasms as well. She does, I believe, let me just double check. I am attributing the wrong author to a book. Uh, yes, Barbara Carlos. Yeah. Barbara Carlos wrote Urban Tantra, which is... We have that, we have book. that book. We yeah. Really Her story is super cool. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And she's the person who introduced me to the idea of breathwork orgasms where she can have an orgasm just through breathing, which is like magic to me. But I think that's really amazing. And it's really awesome to hear that y'all are working on that and exploring that. Was there anything else you wanted to like, you wanted me to touch on or you wanted me to ask you about or anything before we wrap up? Well, just to what you were saying, what we've just been talking about, it's, Mm -hmm. I'm finding it so interesting as well. It's like what we were saying earlier, this there's this pressure around men and performance and and et cetera. Mm. Also there, I think for women, but it's anyway, as a man, myself growing up, experiencing that, (laughs) I can't speak for anyone else, but what I love about the kind of multi-orgasmic approach is that no longer is my goal to ejaculate. I can come in seconds. It's coming is not Mm -hmm. a difficult thing for me. It's not, that's, I'm actually hypersensitive. Like for me, if I don't keep myself calm, keep my breath clear and stay really connected, I'll come in seconds. And it's just, mm-hmm. it feels good physically, obviously in the moment. Yay, this is wonderful. But the overall emotional like element of connection and all the rest of it, just it isn't there in the same way that, so for me, I'm just so enjoying exploring, I guess if we look at it from the side of like, as you say, as a feminine person, you might've found that it was easy to have multi-orgasmic and da-da-da. Mm-hmm. In a way, it feels like I'm connecting with what I would consider a more feminine element of myself, which is that which mm-hmm. is like can contain and be more like water. And mm-hmm. actually they talk about that in mm-hmm. the Chinese texts where women are more like water, where it takes time to heat the water up. But once it's boiling, dang, that thing can mm-hmm. be hot for a long time. Whereas for a man, he's like the fire. You just light the fire and mm-hmm. they're fully hot, but then it also burns out really quickly. So it's mm-hmm. like bringing those two energies together mm-hmm. and helping them to support one another and make something really beautiful is where the magic is. Anyway, that's what I want to say. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's an opportunity to relish in pleasure over performance, which is not something we give men a ton of opportunity for. Yeah. I mean, it's not something we give people a ton of opportunity for in late stage totally. capitalism. But <laughs> um, a good point. I think it's definitely not something we give a lot of space for men to just do things that just feel good because they feel good and you deserve mm. to feel good. Like that's not something I think mm. we create a ton of space for. Mm. Um, Except that MLP. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And I love that we're able to do that. And I love that you're able to role model that. Can you let folks know where they can find you online if they want to see your videos on MLMP or on social media, et cetera, uh, where they can find and get in touch with you? Yeah, as far as I know, it's just Honey and Bear MLNP on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So Honey, A-N-D, Bear, MLNP. And that's our social media where we've kind of stayed quite anonymous there because it's very public, that platform. And then obviously on MLNP itself, <clears throat> I would recommend checking out all our stuff. It's We've had a lot of fun. Especially Thank now you. that we can read comments. We can comment. Yes. The best thing, we are so in love with reading comments. Super cool. It's like every time love a new it. one comes in, we're like, Carly, there's a new comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, really love that y'all have been able to connect with viewers and we're hoping to get more and more opportunities for that. So yeah, folks can search Honey and Bear on Make Love Not Porn to see your videos. And I'm so happy that you spent some time chatting with us today. It was really, really great to talk to you. And I'm excited to see that new video you're working on. So excited. So excited. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) The Social Sex Revolution podcast is brought to you by Make Love Not Porn, the world's first and only user-generated, human-curated social sex video sharing platform. We're what Facebook would be if it allowed you to socially, sexually self-express. The window you've always wanted onto how we all have sex in the real world. It's funny, messy, beautiful, awkward, comical, moving, inspiring. See for yourself why we're self-help for your sex life at makelovenotporn.tv. Okay, welcome back, folks. Uh, I'm joined by Ariel for our Curation Corner again. Uh, The listeners just got a chance to listen to this really, really wonderful conversation I had with Honey and Bear about their real-world sex videos. So I thought a really great place to start would be by talking about some of our favorite videos from them, because I know they've been on the site since way back when you were doing Curation as well, right? Yes, they've been around for quite some time. Bear actually used to submit solo videos, and so it was really mm. cool to see Honey kind of join um, join Bear on Make Love Not Porn and watch their love evolve. Um, I feel like they've been submitting videos since pretty early on in their relationship, and mm-hmm. I love that you know now we know them as Honey and Bear, and I love that Bear found Honey, and it just it's all very cute. Yeah, I definitely, so when I came onto the team, Bear's solo videos and Honey and Bear's videos were both already, already had videos on the site and had been submitting. Um, So I don't think I realized, I always forget that his solo videos came first and that like he had already been sharing his real world sex and it was already a thing he enjoyed when he met Honey and kind of introduced her to it as well. Uh, But that always really makes me smile. Yeah, I love that. Like, I don't know. I think that for some for some people like make love not porn can seem like a really big jump to like Mm -hmm. you know record a real world sex video and share it on the internet and for other people it's like well yeah obviously and I Mm -hmm. like it's really like funny and cool that you know he was already doing that and met someone who was so already on that page that now they can share and really take joy in that together I think that's like really special and cool Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like we have um kind of seen her get more and more comfortable in front of the camera over the years, though. It is definitely... I mean, it's a skill you get used to, right? 
being in front of cameras, whether you're naked or not, takes, takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, and I really love with a lot of these couples that have been on the site for a while, you can see them kind of slowly open up and get more and more comfortable. And it, it feels almost like getting to know them a little bit better or, um, yeah, understand who they are outside of the videos they submit to us, right? They get a little bit more personality and share a little bit more every time they submit. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that even today, before going into this recording, I was thinking about, um, oh, when I met Honey and Bear, and then I was like, I've never met them, like, in person, <laughs> but I totally thought I had. Like, that was, like, they were, like, filed in my head as someone I knew when I, mm -hmm. you know, I do and don't know them. I've met them on Zoom. They're lovely, but I've never, like, shared physical space with them in a way that, like, I assumed I did. Yeah, definitely. I think that's certainly a side effect of the many conversations we've had with them. They're definitely like very personable people. But I think that's also, to some extent, uh, kind of a vibe we get from their videos, because they're just very intimate and personal and casual and like, I don't know, feels like I'm sitting in the room with them, hanging out with them for parts of that. Um, and we definitely have some other Make Love Not Porn stars on the site who have similar energy to that, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that there's one comment that I really love. It's mm -hmm. like, I can tell that y'all are a real couple, like someone I would like run into at the supermarket. Like, it's like so evident that you have a life together mm -hmm. outside of this. Um, and I think that Honey and Bear really, you know, like you said, there's a lot of couples that do that. But I think that they also really exemplify that kind of energy and that kind of like, they feel like someone you know, or want to know or want to know more. They're just like, so mm -hmm. likable. Yeah, and and their rapport, like the dynamic that they have together, definitely feels like something that exists beyond just the scope of this video. Like, I've also watched a lot of, like, professional porn, and there are scenes that I watch where I'm like, wow, they have a lot of great chemistry, or, like, maybe these people have wanted to fuck for a while, or, like, wow, these people are really great at their jobs. Like, look at these performers, look at them go. Um, but there is just a different cadence of, like, oh, no, these people fuck all the time. Like, this is, like, th this relationship exists well beyond what is happening on screen right now. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that you can sense that depth of knowing each other in their mm -hmm. videos, and even, like, their rapport just feels mm -hmm. so like how they're like able to like move in and out of kind of like you know this position isn't as comfortable as some other you know they're just they just like mm -hmm. communicate in a way that's really clear that they like know how to do that know how to fuck specifically each other mm -hmm. and we talked a little bit about that in the uh in our interview about how there is just this process of getting to know the little signals that your partner has and like yes verbal consent is extremely important and extremely valuable. And over time, as you get to know people, there are little things that you don't always have to say out loud. Um, and that's really beautiful to explore as well. One person that always comes to mind um, when we, partially because of this energy that Honey and Bear have, but also uh, because Honey and Bear have a lot of really, really gorgeous outdoor videos in a lot of, um, gorgeous places all over the world. I think they have a waterfall in Thailand video, um, a couple, like, on a mountainside, all kinds of really gorgeous things. Um, and similarly, that always reminds me of Wander and Lust, who also have a lot of really gorgeous alfresco videos, um, and also have that, like, really genuine rapport, uh, in a lot of their videos. And we've been able to see, again, um, 
half of the couple has gradually become more and more comfortable on screen. Um, we've seen little snippets of their life, like they released videos when they completed their tiny home of what sex in their tiny home looked like. And it, it, again, it just feels like this relationship that really expands beyond what we get to see. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also totally have travel envy of Honey and Bear and Wander and Lust. Like they they both are just in such beautiful places. I feel like that's a skill to like yeah. see a beautiful place and be like, I'm going there and then go and like have like a whole thing around it. I, I really <laughs> am jealous of that. It's yeah. really amazing. But I'm happy that I'm able to like, you know, see it and experience it through the screen. Yeah, I cannot like empathize with the experience of being able to travel that much and like explore all these gorgeous places but I do deeply relate to the feeling of like looking at a gorgeous scenery and being like I'm a fuck there (laughs) I'm a you know what that needs me naked in the middle of it okay (laughs) I I feel that that in my soul yeah (laughs) I'm curious if there are any other uh make love not porn stars that come to mind for you some of the folks who have been around for a while that we've seen that kind of evolution of their relationship and dynamic with yeah um that's a really good question so the first people that I thought of were Effie and Walter Mm -hmm. um Effie and Walter are one of the few couples that predate me um so when I came Mm -hmm. on to make love not porn in 2013 Effie and Walter were already here and already sharing their real world sex Mm -hmm. and um one thing that I think is really cool about them is that they have been sharing for you know almost 10 years now which is a really long period of time to kind of have this like erotic diary of like different apartments different vacations different hairstyles like I feel like Mm -hmm. Effie's hair is in like all these different colors and I feel like with them um I've like watched them you know age in a way which is really Mm -hmm. cool and I'm sure they could say the same of me but I think that you know seeing them start with make love not porn when make love not porn was like a baby too and then Mm -hmm. kind of grow into like this current iteration where they're a bit older they you know know each other's bodies that much more but this kind of like consistent intensity of their um physicality and their kind of attraction to each other has stayed the same over that time which i think is really cool to see that like i think a lot of times people think about long-term relationships and think that this spark fades you know mm-hmm. and we have so many couples on the site that are like very much examples of that not being true at all and i think that they're one yeah. of them Yeah, and it's so interesting to me, especially for people who have been submitting that long, to, I don't know, kind of watch the people and the setting and the lives that they're living evolve around this, like, consistency of great sex. Like, the sex, sex is always, they have it in different places, they look different throughout the different, but it's always, like solidly good sex i mean there's a lot of great sex on our site but there is just something about it that like i don't know it is consistently and reliably like yeah those are the things they like and that like they've been doing this they're real good at the things that they do and like yeah it's it's nice to see those snippets of joy as like everything else kind of changes around it yeah absolutely and i think it's also interesting when you are seeing people who have been submitting a lot of videos or over a long period of time to kind of see like sexual habits. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that that's something that we get to see ever. Um, And to know like, you know, so-and-so loves orals, then they like to, you know, 
finish from behind, like these like kind of consistent marks that people hit. It's like really interesting to see these like habits form. And I don't mean habits in a negative way at all. I think habits are great and habits like are formed from, you know, positive experiences, but it's like really interesting to kind of see that. Yeah, I think it is a thing that we talk a lot about avoiding the script, right? And often we're talking about it when we're talking about porn tropes. You know, you don't need to do the each person receives oral and then three positions and then a cum shot in the way you might in in mainstream porn. And at the same end, like at the same time, I think the way you were talking about people expecting the spark to fade we think of it as, again, following that script. When the spark fades, it's because you're just doing the same sex things over and over and over, and things have become boring in your relationship. And the thing is, like, I don't know, my partner and I have our, you know, nightly sex that we have when we're not planning anything special and we're just like, oh no, they're here and they're hot and we would like to have sex. And yeah, it follows a script because it is a script of our favorite things. And we would like to do our favorite things over and over and over. And like, it's still hot every time because they're our favorite things. So I think it's this like kind of strange expectation. And like, yeah, we have date nights and we'll be like, oh, you want to do something like fun and exciting this time? Sure. Yeah. You know, Um, But, like, I don't think inherently having a routine or your go-tos or, I know, put another way, truly understanding what makes your body feel really good is a sign of things becoming boring. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I also think that, you know, like... I think it can be something as simple as like having like a makeout session after you've both come, you know, that Mm -hmm. you see consistently. That's not a script. That's like, that's something like cute that like fosters intimacy. Um, So I think that that's, yeah, it's like cool to see people's like different takes on that. Cause you're right. It is like a known way of making each other feel really good. And that's not anything bad. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge supporter of just having a routine and having go-tos. It is a th- it is a thing that just makes my brain work a hell of a lot easier. Um and I think there's absolutely something to be said for that. And and like I was saying that that doesn't mean there isn't space to try something fun and exciting and different. Um I'm thinking about we have this couple Erica and John on the site who married couple, I believe they have kids, been together a while. Um but they released they recently released a video um, where Erica had mentioned recently, you know, off the cuff a couple times about having a fantasy about glory holes and like thinking that would be neat and that would be fun. But you know, throw away things, right? You're not gonna run down to the corner glory hole and like have an evening. Like that's not something that's super accessible to most of us. Especially um, so COVID. Just, <laughs> right, exactly. Like so she just mentioned it as like a throwaway, like, you know what I fantasized about sometime? Well, a couple of weeks later, um, John shows up with a glory hole that he has built in the garage that fits into one of their doorways, you know, just kind of like replaces the door and allows them to role play this. And they filmed it and it was super hot and really, really fun. And it was just a really cute opportunity to, I guess, what this idea of spicing it up looks like in practice. Because a lot of people come in and they're like, I want to spice it up thinking that I have, uh, yes, here is the spice kit. Go home and try the spicy version of sex now. When really it's more about listening to your partner and picking up on these little clues and saying, oh, you want to explore that? Well, let's figure out a way to do that. Well, what could that look like? Well, what is this new thing that is turning you on right now? And having that kind of active curiosity 
and ambition to do fun things for your partner. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's so creative. And I also think just speaks to like their amazing communication. And that I, mm-hmm. I think that they probably both like listen to each other to like hear that and then put that in motion and then be like right. excited like that just like, to me signals like really clear communication. And I also think that that's like, I think you're right. I think people want like a spice kit and want some like, you know, in some ways a script to follow and then be like, have Mm -hmm. like sexual fulfillment. And I think that that scenario also speaks to how um, like unique sexual preferences are, you know, like Mm -hmm. one person's glory hole fantasy is not going to be a universal thing as is, you know, anything. So Mm -hmm. I also think that that speaks to how like subjective and like, like sexuality is and fantasies are. Yeah, absolutely. Because that could have gone a totally different way, right? If they hadn't had that conversation beforehand, if this isn't an idea that Erica had raised, John could have just showed up with like, here, I have this glory hole with like slutty things spray painted on it. Don't you want to suck my dick through it? And Erica could have been like, the fuck? Like, what I the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? No. How long have you been working on this? What are you? But what made it so sweet and beautiful is that he heard this one little clue in the same way I do with, like, Christmas presents. My partner mentions, you know, starting a new hobby, and I'm like, great, so what kind of th- what kind of tools for that hobby can I get you, right? It's the, the same skill of attention, just, you know, hornier, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Desert Delight are another couple who I really enjoy, um... They started submitting videos to Make Love Not Porn as like a way to kind of reclaim that spark or kind of reignite it after having a baby, which, you know, is a huge change to kind of any anyone's day to day. Um, and, you know, they're someone also who you can kind of watch their progression with Make Love Not Porn. Like they start submitting and like, I think they also might have been anonymous, actually. They but were. In they the were. Yeah. They blurred their faces. And they got a lot more comfortable. They ended up being on some like media appearances for us. Like they really, I think, evolved on Make Love Not Porn. But the video I'm thinking about specifically is their like anal series, which yes, I just love. It's so good. It's so good. And, you know, they decided to try anal sex for the first time and they filmed this like amazing three-part video of Mm -hmm. you know what it's like to actually experiment with that and like the warm-up and the communication and you know by the end of it she does that like thumb the double thumbs up to the camera and it's so cute Um, and like I, I remember with that one too that was one of the ones that they've mentioned they recorded for themselves like they were like we just want to own this and like I don't expect it to be like I don't know internet worthy and then watch it was like no this is valuable and useful and like we're gonna share this yeah and it's one of one of my favorite like first time anal videos on the site yeah I love that video and I also think that that you know it's like another spicing it up of trying Mm -hmm. something new and approaching it with your partner with communication like you know spicing it up is that could be anal could be someone else's like every day you know but for them it was trying something new and I love I'm so happy that they shared that I think that video is like so amazing just from like an educational perspective it's like you know inspiring I just I really love that series yeah me me too and we will have links to that and all of the videos we talked about today uh, in the show notes and I believe on the uh, podcast page of the website we'll have links for those thank you so much for talking to me today of course thank you for having me thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of the social sex revolution podcast 
For questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, or if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can drop us a line at podcast at makelovenotporn.com. We'd love to hear from you. I have been Bex Caputo. You can find me at bextalksex.com or on my other weekly podcast, The Dildorks, for dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating, with sex journalist and my best friend, Kate Sloan. You can join the social sex revolution at makelovenotporn.tv to get inspired by how we all have sex in the real world. To see some goodies we've collected for you and to take advantage of a special offer just for podcast listeners, you can go to makelovenotporn.tv slash podcast. See you next week. Bye.